Hello there, old and new friends. Welcome to Divine Musing, episode 43, Chiseled Away. I am Destiny Rambo Corey, and I am so thankful that you have joined me for this journey into scripture, literature, poetry, and prayer as we view them through the light of transformation and growth. Here's something I've been thinking about lately. We're going to begin with a lyric to a song of my own called, He Starts With The End. Something about an author who starts with ever after and turns the pages backwards as he writes. Most would call him foolish, such eccentric methods, leaving all his critics wondering why. But a master storyteller already knows how each mystery develops. He starts with the end in mind, pens the last chapter before the first line. The characters don't have to worry of uncertain fate. He sees how the battle ends. The dragon is slain before he picks up his pen. A man of such brilliance is certainly one of a kind. He starts with the end in mind. Something about a sculptor who knows the stone's potential before the mallet calluses his hand. Others judge his madness, such peculiar tactics, simple minds could never understand. That the wielder of the chisel can see a man inside a flawed piece of marble. He starts with the end in mind, polished the statue before its design. The monument doesn't shed tears over what's chipped away. Naming it more than a rock, the figure is freed before it's cut from the block. A man of such vision is certainly one of a kind. He starts with the end in mind. Something about a father who names his sons and daughters before the dust is ordered, let there be. Many often question unexplained behavior, having eyes and yet they cannot see that the keeper of the secrets knows their fears before they ever think to feel them. He starts with the end in mind, pens the last chapter before the first line. His characters don't have to worry of uncertain fate. He sees how the battle ends. The dragon was slain before he picked up his pen. His glorious brilliance is certainly one of a kind. He starts with the end in mind. I touched on this lyric briefly in episode seven, but today I wanted to dive deeper into the entirety of the song and the life lessons that I am still learning from it. I wrote this song many years ago after a conversation I had with a dear pastor friend of mine on a Southern Gospel cruise that both of our families were singing and ministering on. One night after a late night singing, I made my way up to the midnight ice cream buffet. 
I joke with Joel that that might be the name of my memoirs one day, Destiny and the Midnight Ice Cream Buffet. <laughs> um, anyways, there were a few others who had had the same idea as me, including Pastor Joe and his family. We all sat eating our ice cream, talking about life and the seemingly unclear path ahead of all of us. I began to express my worry and concern about the unknown and shared with them some of the things I had been walking through and choices I knew I needed to make when we got back to shore. Pastor Joe looked at me and said, isn't it wonderful that we serve a God who starts at the end and works backwards? I grabbed my napkin and wrote his words down and tucked it into my purse. When I got back to the room, I sat out on the balcony, reading that napkin over and over before finally grabbing a pen and underneath his words, I wrote something about an author who starts with ever after and turns the pages backwards as he writes. I knew this was big. I knew there was a song in these words and that it was more vast than I currently had the revelation for. I tucked the napkin back into my purse and those words replayed over and over and over in my head for months, simmering as I like to say. I would picture God as the great author and how he so intricately and delicately writes our story. I knew what I wanted to convey. I just didn't know how to say it yet. One night after several months, after this moment of revelation on the sea, I was laying in bed watching what my husband calls one of my learning shows. <laughs> I love to wind down at the end of the day watching history documentaries and nature shows. Um, I love penguins. I love anything to do with penguins. Um, anyways... <laughs> Um, I just love winding down with things that are educational or uh, historical, any of those things. So my learning shows. Um, that particular night, I stumbled onto a documentary that was telling the story of Michelangelo carving his legendary statue of David. In my studies, after um, I've learned that most of what I saw in this show was based on a bit of folklore, but it was enough to light the fire that I needed to complete the song that I had been carrying for so long. In recent days, I've done a deeper dive into what really happened with the creation of David. And the more I learn, the more I see parallels in my own life. I'm going to touch on a few key things in the story that I hope will help you in the ways that they have helped me to truly see how our creator transforms us into who we are destined to be. Before David was a statue, it was a rock, high up in the mountains, hidden and waiting. The original artist tasked with this endeavor was in over his head. He had zero experience chiseling marble on this scale. In fact, no one alive did. The block he chose was huge and flawed marred by tiny holes and discolored by unsightly veins that took away from the stark white expected for a marble statue. The block of marble was enormous and it required extensive labor to mine and get down to the place where it could actually be worked on. It was so huge in fact that it took almost two years to get off the mountain and transported 80 miles to where it would begin its transformation. It was cut from the mountain 11 years 
before Michelangelo was even born. And three others worked on the marble before he ever touched it. Each previous artist leaving it more damaged, ripping into the marble, trying to make it into what they wanted it to be, leaving it scarred, weakened, and nearly impossible to work with. After much frustration and dismay, the stone was abandoned in a courtyard. For over 30 years, it sat alone, exposed to the harsh elements and referred to as the giant by locals who saw it as a symbol of failure and defeat. By the time Michelangelo was finally brought in for this massive project to create the statue of David, he had his work cut out for him, literally. The marble, now weather-worn and baked in the sun, was not only difficult to work with, it was so narrow from the other sculptors hacking away at it. He had to work with absolute precision to rescue every centimeter of what rock remained to put it to use. He worked extensively in private using finer and finer tools to shape the stubborn stone into the masterpiece we know it as today. Every time I read the stories around this breathtaking work of art, they bring to mind how much of my life has been like that giant piece of flawed marble. Some days I resonate with feeling like a stone forming in the mountains in secret, wondering if anything I do matters, wondering if God will ever truly use me, wondering if I'm best left alone, spiraling into doubt and fear that I will only ever be good enough to hold the mountain up. At times, I feel like the wrong stone, chosen by an amateur, living with a constant sense of imposter syndrome and hoping no one figures out that I'm not who they think I am. They expected pure and white and beautiful, but what they got was veined and covered in holes. Others days, I can almost tangibly feel the other chisels coming at me from all sides. Sometimes well-meaning people and sometimes not, doing their best to shape me into the image of what they think is best. I spent a large part of my youth that way, feeling tossed from one chisel to the next, withering away with each blow, forgetting who I truly am and getting lost in others' opinions and doctrines, bearing scars that left me feeling hideous, other and never enough. There are days when the abandonment creeps in, after years of confinement in the mountain, I'm finally breathing that sweet air of freedom, only to find that freedom means subjecting myself to the opinions and ideals of others. Then, when they get all they can from me, or realize they can't do anything more to mold me into their image, I'm left abandoned. Propped up in a courtyard for all the world to see as a monument to abuse, failure, lack of conformity, and the icing on the cake is being called the giant, literally being identified as the thing I was born to conquer, somehow becoming the villain in my own story. After years of being abandoned, you start to believe the villagers who rename you and sadly take on the nature of the giant at times and let the David within you die. But the truth is, 
that stone was always meant to be David in the same way that we are always meant to be the fullness of what creator made us to be. That marble was chosen for a specific purpose to tell a special story and only one sculptor knows how to reveal what is already inside the rock. No matter what state of the stone we might currently be in, our Father Creator is waiting with chisel in hand to free us and make us new, to unlock what is hidden and bring it into the light. In a New York Times article written by Sam Anderson in 2016 about this story, he says something so profound that I believe is really relevant to today. He said, The young sculptor had not run from the odd dimensions of the block. He embraced them, turning them into his figure's signature elements. How many times have we felt like the odd one out, the black sheep, the other, the one who doesn't fit, and we have shamed ourselves for it? The truth is that all of these quirks aren't an accident. When Creator designed us before we were ever even formed in our mother's wombs, He knew that those quirks would make us stand out from the crowd and shine. The world tells us we should all conform to society's latest trends, that we would be better liked if we were relevant or approachable or not so different. They label the brave as too much and the quiet as weirdos. (laughs) The truth is that every perceived flaw that we wear should be worn as badges of honor, a sign of how intricately our creator designed us to be. When we surrender to the master's fine chisel, it's not punishment, unlike so many other sledgehammers have inflicted upon us. His tools wield breakthrough and healing and wholeness, His chisel carves away everything that traps us, every lie etched into our stone, every curse that has sunk into our pores, every bondage we have submitted to and believed in are done away with as he inscribes beauty in the ashes. Psalm 139, beginning at verse one, brilliantly summarizes everything I have attempted to say today, fitfully written by David himself. O Lord, you have searched me thoroughly and have known me. You know my down-sitting and my uprising. You understand my thought afar off. You sift and search out my path and my lying down, and you are acquainted with all of my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue still unuttered, but behold, O Lord, you know it altogether." You have beset me and shut me in, behind and before, and you have laid your hand on me. Your infinite knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high above me. I cannot reach it. Where could I go from your spirit, or where could I flee from your presence? If I ascend up to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, the place of the dead, behold, you are are there. If I take the wings of the morning or dwell in the utmost parts of the sea, even there your hand leads me and your right hand shall hold me. 
If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the night shall be the only light about me, even the darkness hides nothing from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. For you did form my inward parts. You did knit me together in my mother's womb. I will confess and praise you for you are fearful and wonderful and for the awful wonder of my birth. Wonderful are your works and that my inner self knows right well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being formed in secret and intricately and curiously wrought as if embroidered with various colors in the depths of the earth, a region of darkness and mystery. Your eyes saw my unformed substance and in your book, all the days of my life were written before they ever took shape when as yet there was none of them. How precious and weighty also are your thoughts to me, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I could count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I awoke, could I count to the end? I would still be with you. If you identify with this story and can see yourself in the stone in any of the phases that we've talked about today, and you are seeking the help of divine to mold you into the fullness of your true self, then why don't we pray this prayer together? Divine creator, you sent your son Jesus to earth to show us the way, the way of transformation, the way of surrender, and the way of complete trust in you. Meet us in our frailties wherever we may be on our journeys and allow Holy Spirit to do the work of transformation. We surrender to the master chisel and though we may shed some tears over what is chipped away, we trust that you know what you're doing. We trust that you know what we need long before we do and that your plans for us are good and prosperous and filled with the joy of the Spirit. We are so grateful that you meet us where we are, but you never leave us the same. In Jesus' beloved name, amen. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I will leave you with a quote from Michelangelo himself. The sculpture is already complete within the marble block. Before I start my work, it is already there. I just have to chisel away the superfluous material. I hope this musing has given you a little something to think about too. Thank you so much for joining me today for Divine Musing. For more information, head over to www.rambocory.com. I would love to connect with you on social media. You can find me at facebook.com forward slash destiny makes music or on Instagram and Twitter at Des Rambo Music.